I'm Anna Webb. This is A Dog's Life. We're on Hampstead Heath, and I bet you don't know where we're going, but we're off to visit Jenny Murray, the broadcasting legend, to talk about life, dogs, but particularly chihuahuas. <laughs> Jenny Murray, welcome <laughs> to A Dog's Life. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and uh, this <laughs> apology for a bark is Madge, my youngest and smallest, and uh, she's watching your dog actually pottering about our kitchen. I know, uh, it's, it's so lovely here, so we're sat in your garden, it's a beautiful day, surrounded by chihuahuas, a beautiful Burmese cat, and my little dog Mrs Binks is making himself at home. <laughs> yeah, luckily we picked the food off the floor and put it up high, so I don't think you can reach it, but Madge, you have to be quiet, all right? A little bit of barking is acceptable in this particular podcast, but don't overdo it. <laughs> well, Jenny, we don't mind sound effects, but it's just such an honour to be sat here with you, you know, as you are, of course, the legend of Woman's Hour. Oh, your Burmese is just really, look, look the arch back, <laughs> giving a right cat warning. <laughs> There's another dog in our house. Oh my goodness, what is that? <laughs> It's funny. No, it's just so lovely watching animals interact, isn't it, Jenny? You know. Um, but of course, you've interviewed so many greats, from Hillary Clinton, Margaret Thatcher, even, who had a dog as well. Do you know she was a dog lover? So is Hillary Clinton. And you've interviewed someone who, gosh, Mike, my producer, who's here, of course, um, will laugh. As, um, I have asked her if she'd do a podcast with me, Jenny. I bet you can't guess who it is. Oh, who's that? Debbie <coughs> Harry. Debbie, yes. Debbie. I listened to your interview with her again yesterday, actually. Everybody loves dogs if they're a nice person. That is my view. If they don't love dogs, they're not a nice person. Yes, I agree. I think that is a broad brushstroke, isn't it? You know, um, definitely. But the irony is, you know, dogs are known, aren't they, as man's best friend. But recently, there's been uh, quite a lot of science that's been highlighting the fact that actually over the centuries, course it was the woman's role to feed the dog, groom the dog, raise the dog, even back in the caves. Um, so we've actually played a much greater role I think than blokes in their domestication. All the caring stuff of course. Of course, of course. <laughs> do the feeding, pick up the poo, do the grooming, or let him take them for a walk and show off in the park. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But when push comes to shove, 89% of us will dump the bloke if they don't like the dog. Really? Yes, no, that is. And if apparently, <laughs> according to the Red Tops, Jenny, which of course we had to believe, 53% um, of all of us girls get a better night's sleep with our dog and not with our partner. <laughs> I, I could believe that, actually. Oh, uh, Mine do sleep with me. I was going to ask you that. He would not have that, so he sleeps in the other room. Um, and he snores much louder than my dogs do. They just kind of do that. 
very gently. Yes. He doesn't. <laughs> I know snoring is my big bugbear as well. When I um, often look after Joanne Good's bulldog, you know, Matilda, she comes to stay when <laughs> Joe's away. But her snoring, I have to use earplugs because she joins us on the bed um, as well. And um, yes, oh, kitty cat. But, my, um, hus my husband thinks it's disgusting having dogs in bed, which I just don't understand. I love cuddling up with them and they love cuddling up with me. Well, it's the pack thing, Jenny, you know, dogs are social. And I think it's just an extension of where we're at now because you know, living with dogs has changed. You, you've lived with dogs all your life. Um, oh. And, you know, I don't know what you think about how things have changed, you know? Do you think dog ownership has gone a little bit barking? I, I've been quite... Well, I was reading the other day about brucellosis in one of the newspapers and, you know, dogs being brought in, I think, from Romania, from, from the streets and bringing diseases that are not common here. Mm. I think, you know, during the pandemic, people have leapt on the idea of owning a dog, probably because their kids had been at home and they thought it would be nice for the kids. And, and then they discovered that actually looking after dogs is not necessarily an easy job. And they've also not properly checked out the health of the dogs that they've brought in. So yeah. I get a bit concerned when I go into the park. Number one, is somebody going to try and steal my three lovely little ones? Um, and are there diseases hanging about that we've not been used to? I still take them, but it worries me that they're going to meet a dog that is not healthy. Yeah, yeah, no. And certainly, you know, dog theft. I mean, really, this last 18 months, dogs have soared, you know, they've been in the papers like never before. And we're living literally with more dogs than we've ever, ever done before. Um, so, you know, and yes, good and bad comes out of that. But um, your first dog, Jenny, was a, a corgi, appropriately named Taffy. He was, he was a corgi cross. He was crossed with a bazenji. Really? Yes, I know. I'd never even heard of a Bazenji until <laughs> it was my mother's cousin, Winifred. My mother was called Winifred as well, um, who bred corgis and was horrified to find that one of her prime bitches had somehow managed to get out and did discover whose dog it was that had done the <laughs> evil deed. Um, and she begged my mother to let me have one because I was desperate for a dog. I think I was five at the time. And my mother said, oh, well, if it's a corgi, I suppose it'll be all right. The Queen likes those. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, I had Taffy and he was with me. He was my best friend. And, you know, I was an only child. I still am an only child, obviously. Um, and he was my confidant and we did everything together. I absolutely adored that dog and he was so naughty. You know, he'd somehow managed to get out and run off, but then he'd always come back. And he stayed with me until I went to university. And it was whilst I was at university that he just disappeared one night and never came back. And I've never been more heartbroken in my life. I must have been. Dreadful, dreadful. 
awful to come home and him not be there to greet me. <coughs> yes, yes. But you've had lots of different breeds. Um, you know, I think you've had schnauzers. We had two miniature schnauzers. Um, first of all, what happened was I was I was at an agricultural show um, in the New Forest. I was working in Southampton at the time. And I saw this woman walking across the field with the cutest little dog ever, who I thought looked like Scout, um, you know Lady and the Tramp, mm. the, the tramp dog that has funny floppy ears and a naughty looking face. And I thought, oh, look at that, that's, that's just Tramp. So I rushed over and said, oh, what kind of dog is it? Because they weren't very familiar at the time. Mm. And she said, oh, it's a miniature schnauzer. She said, I breed them and in fact, I've got a litter ready to go now. <laughs> ah, okay. Um, so I rang David, my partner, uh, and said, uh, do you fancy going up to Salisbury tonight to have a look at, uh, at some dogs? And he went, dogs? What? <laughs> I said, well, let, let's just go and have a look. And a little pepper and salt one, you know, the, the yes. grey one, just came and sat on my lap immediately. Oh. Um, and I said, yeah, I, I want this one. Um, and we called him William and took him home. And on the way home, Dave said, you know that little black one? Black ones were quite rare in those days. He said, I really like that one. Um, do you fancy going back tomorrow and, and getting the little black one? Um, he said, because you know, it's always better to have two dogs rather than one, because they keep each other company if you have to, have to leave them on their own. So the next day we went back and the breeder had called her Mary. So we ended up with William and Mary. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> and they survived to 18. They were amazing little dogs. They really were. And they were great with the kids, you know, because we had the children after we'd had them. And they just fitted in with everything. You know, the kids would never be cruel to them, but they teased them a lot. And they never, ever caused any trouble. They were just adorable. And, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, there's, there's quite um, a lot of barking going there is, on. There is, that's okay, I think it's my dog's fault, Mr Bean. It is entirely your dog's it is, fault. It is, he's making himself at home. He's taken charge of their <laughs> sitting room, frankly. I'm so and embarrassed. Frida is sitting in the doorway, Madge is getting ever so cross. Well, why don't you go and play with him? Yes, Just Madge. go and play with him, Madge. He's not doing any harm, honestly. Go on, go away. <laughs> you now have a massive fascination for the Chihuahua. And um, something I, I noticed when I read your, your book, my, my Boy Butch, which um, is all about Butch, who is sat beside me here, yeah. your first Chihuahua. Yeah. And um, is, you know, emotional intelligence. Jenny and um, you know the fact that scientists have only relatively recently confirmed that animals do have emotional intelligence but it's something you do flesh out in a, in a lot of detail in your book. Explain why because it was a very difficult chapter of your life. Yeah I, I had breast cancer and then I had um, a vascular necrosis after chemotherapy which meant my hips were shot um, and I had to have my hip replaced. So, it was, and my, both my parents died. I, yeah, I mean, ugh, they were the most awful years. Um, and the only thing really that, that kept me going, in fact, I did use the, the 
cancer business to persuade my husband um, that I had to have a dog. <laughs> and he said, oh, come on, you know, we've lost William and Mary. Do we really need another dog? You know, we could be much more free to go places. Yeah. And, and I said, no, I, I have to have a dog. And Butch came along. He, he's called Butch because he was so tiny when we first went to see him before he was ready to come home. Um, and he sat in my husband's hand and Dave said, oh, you know, this dog, he's, look at him, he's so sweet. I think we ought to call him Butch. And he said it as a joke, but of course it stuck. So Butch was number one and he was just a complete comfort throughout those awful, horrible, horrible times. Um, and still is. And now, <laughs> you know, quite funny actually, because um, he's 15, going on 16. He's arthritic. His hips are very stiff. And we get up in the morning and we go to the top of the stairs and we both look down the stairs and think, right, come on, we've got to do this because I'm quite stiff now. I'm 71. Um, and we we look after each other and if I go all the way down the stairs and turn the corner leaving him still slowly coming down the stairs he barks oh no wait 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 for me wait for me and I have to stand at the bottom of the stairs until he's got all the way down and we have the same palaver every time we go up I'm sorry these dogs are so noisy and he thinks he's causing you know, commotion because he he's, he's a new chaos because <laughs> he's the new kid. You know, um, they'll settle down, Jenny. You know, I'm just loving your cat, <laughs> who's making it quite clear that uh, she she's does in charge. Not disapprove. <coughs> yeah, she does not approve. Rather, yes, exactly. You're not amused. No intruder that's arrived. But it is amazing, isn't it, how dogs do pull you through, um, you know, the dark times, you know. Yeah. They're so intuitive. He gets me completely, you know, because people say, oh, you know, a dog will never look you in the eye. Rubbish. You know, he will, sometimes my husband says, you know, when we're together in, in the house, for goodness sake, does that dog have to sit at your feet every second of the day looking up at you hungrily? And I say, he's not looking at me hungrily, he's looking at me lovingly because <laughs> he loves me. But he will, you know, it's surprising, he's sitting next to you. He knows another dog lover, obviously, because normally he will sit right next to me and he looks me in the eye. Uh -huh. And his favourite trick, the treats are always on the table in the kitchen here, which is where I have my breakfast. And he'll sit down, look me straight in the eye and then go, he looks to the left, and that's, hey, come on, give us a treat. I know where they are. <laughs> so this is it. Now, if that's not emotional intelligence, oh, yeah. you He's see, really it really, you know. Do you think women can learn from dogs, Jenny, and, um, in terms of helping them become a bit empowered, you know, not least, because dogs are a social network in real life, not on technology, that, I feel, you know, dogs boost your confidence, they get you out, you know, all these things that dogs do, but that can really help. And I couldn't bear being without mine. I really couldn't. Um, yeah, they make me get out, because I'm not one who's fond of exercise at all. 
I know you walked all the way here across Hampstead Heath today, which <laughs> fills me with admiration that <laughs> you did that. You know, I will go for a little walk as long as there's plenty of benches along <laughs> the way um, where I can sit down. Uh, and Butch is quite happy with that as well. He doesn't go scurrying off <laughs> like he used to because um, he's shut up. Be quiet. You're meant to be a good dog, Butch. He's the one with the biggest bark. Um, and uh, I don't know, I just I just love them. That's all I can say about them, really. Yeah, yeah. The thought of Butch dying just fills me with doom and despond. And he's had, you know, he's an old dog now. Uh, I'm lucky. Chihuahuas live longer than big dogs would. Um, and I'm doing everything I can to keep him going now. We've had a few visits to our privately owned vet. Very important if you're looking for a vet, get one that's owned by a family or you know, privately owned, not one of these mega companies who charge so much for treatment. Um, and he, he's, he's not terribly well. You know, I'm sorry to hear this, and, sorry to hear this. But he's got lots of very good drugs and um, my son, who's also a vet but not nearby, um, gave me some really good advice recently. He said, just get your vet to give you a prescription for the drugs that you need and order them online. It's so much cheaper. <laughs> and it is. So, but every, uh, the other thing my, my husband said the other day when we were down on the coast, because the only way I can get him to take all these pills is to wrap them in a little bit of brie. Mm. And <laughs> my husband said, what are you doing, giving that dog brie? I mean, you know, it's really good cheese um, and, and it's very creamy and it's fattening and he needs to lose weight. And I said, well, it's the only way I can get the pills into him. And he will take as many pills as I want him to have, as long as there's a bit of brie around. <laughs> I bet he does, yes. <laughs> well, it's good. He looks, you know, he's got bright eyes, Jenny, looking at him. He looks... He, you know, looks, he, looks he looks good. He looks great, but you can see he walks very stiffly. Right. You know, there have been times when he's been in a lot of pain. Um, and then my son said, because my son is a vet, as I said, and a specialist in pain. And um, when he was really <laughs> suffering, this would have been about six months ago, um, I said, you know, what can I do to, to make it easier for him? And he said, ah, uh, get him some ketamine. And I said, what? <laughs> ketamine? I can't bring ketamine into the house. He said, no, silly. Ask your vet to give him ketamine injections. So about, <laughs> there's, there's a cat having a, having a bit of a, <laughs> bit of an argument with your dog, but never mind, they're all right. <laughs> She's um, stalking him. So I, I said to my vet here, um, that my son suggested ketamine. <laughs> She said, well, do you know, funnily enough, we've all just done a special course on pain and we've just started using ketamine. It works really, really well. So I think he had three ketamine injections and was totally transformed by it. <laughs> my friends were saying, oh my goodness, that dog's high as a kite. <laughs> he wasn't, of course, but no, the pain no. was greatly eased. And then we've moved him on to something called amantadine which I think is a similar sort of thing. Right. And he has two of those every day, so he's not in pain no, so much. No. Just stiff. Just stiff. Old. 
Yes, with yes. which I sympathise. <laughs> well, yes, you know, I mean, Mr. Binks over there, you know, he's only got one hip. I've, I've just started giving him a brand of CBD oil, actually, Jenny, which I'm Has it happy helped? to share. Yes, I think it, it, it is, actually, because he was carrying his leg a bit a couple of weeks ago, so then I think, well, I'd better ramp up green lip muscle and all my mumbo-jumbo stuff, and I was gifted some CBD oil, and... I thought, well, let's try this. Because it tastes horrible, that stuff, doesn't it? Yeah, Have they flavour it? it. No, I haven't, actually. Oh. But I might, because it's... It, look at his coat. He's looking... I've noticed walking over the heath. He's walked over the heath. And now... Uh, he looks wonderful. Oh. Do you know, I think I've got some, actually. because you? My younger son advised it for, for pain for me. Right. And, it, you know, you just put a few drops under your tongue, and it tastes completely yeah. well. Uh, so maybe you can have it, Butch. Well, why Do you not? just drip it into his Yes, mouth? yeah, about three drops. The stuff I've been gifted comes in cheese flavour. But as I say, I haven't tried it myself. Well, if you've got some here. Yeah, I'll try it. But yes, it's dogs teach us, don't they, so much. And in your new podcast, Jenny, which is called Now I'm Grown Up. Now I'm Grown Up. It's all about... Yes people teaching others and changing skill sets, as many have had to do through the pandemic. It is, but I mean, I think that the purpose of, of Now Teach, which is the, the organisation um, that was set up by Lucy Kellaway, who used to be a journalist at the Financial Times, was that same sort of feeling that I got when I realised I'd been presenting Women's Out for 33 years. Uh, which was a long time, and I was about to have my 70th birthday, and it, goodness me, you know, what, what more could I do that's different? If, if I don't do something different now, maybe I never will, you know, when I'm, I'm 71 now. Um, and I was interested in it. I don't actually think I would be capable of becoming a teacher properly, a full-time teacher. You know, I can give talks and that, but, but the responsibility of working within a school I think would be too hard for me. But I think a lot of people, like Lucy, who'd been working at the Financial Times for a long time, thought, you know, I've got a second life here, what am I going to do with it? And became a teacher and absolutely loves it. So that's really what the podcast is about. It's, yeah. you know, what do you get from teaching and what do you have to offer kids as an older person? because it seems youngsters really like having properly mature teachers ah. standing in front of them. Yes, so. well, you know, well, age is wisdom. But dogs, what do you think they've taught you, Jenny? To be very, very patient, because chihuahuas, I would say to anybody thinking of getting one, are not the easiest house-trained dogs. Um, <laughs> even... At 14, they have little, uh, well, if I do it here, she won't find out, will she? Um, and I can't be bothered to go out because it's raining or the snow, it's cold, it'll be okay. So if you have a chihuahua, you always have to check around the house very, very <laughs> carefully. Um, so you do learn to be patient because there's no point shouting at them or sticking their noses in it oh, or no. any of those things. I'm sure your dog behaves absolutely immaculately and would never <laughs> dream of doing it in the house. But my Frida, and occasionally, a Butch would never. Butch would be so ashamed if he did that. 
Um, but the girls, I'm afraid, can be a little bit sloppy about these Gosh. things. I know, it's a disgrace. Look Madge. at her, she's looking at you. She's looking so tiny, Jenny. She's so tiny, so angelic, <laughs> looking <laughs> like she would not do anything ever to offend you. Not true. Not true. So you do have to learn to be patient and not be too fussed about having green bags and lots of disinfectants. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I agree with you on the patience thing, you know, because similarly had bull terriers, haven't I? You know, you met Molly and, and then, well, her death derailed me, but we might go back to discussing that. But, you know, it is in a way that life carries on, but patience you do need, you do need with dogs, I think. I think this has been the problem with so many dogs being taken on during the pandemic and now being sent to rescue centres. People just don't realise what a responsibility a dog is, no. a huge responsibility. You know, not only are you picking up the poo when they've had a little accident, uh, or even in the park, you know, you have to be really careful about all these things. But the amount of attention that they need is enormous. Mm. They need to be groomed, they need to be bathed, they need... Oh, I was so ashamed when I took Frida recently to a, a vet in, in Hampshire, near where we live, um, to have her eyes checked. Uh, when at the end of the consultation she said, oh, do you know, I do think this dog needs a pedicure. <laughs> she snipped her nails. And I know I should have done it because she was walking on tiptoes. But she's one of those dogs that you hold her under your arm and you try to clip her toenails and she goes completely bananas. Of course, when the vet did it, she behaved absolutely impeccably. They're so funny, they're like children, I think, in that respect. You know, children, you know, I remember when I was young, I'd go around to my auntie and I'd be so polite and lovely, and then come home and go, oh, dad, and just <laughs> act like a teenage tantrum. But, you know, there's all those little things that you, you they, they need checking every day to make sure that everything is in place, their eyes are okay, their teeth are okay, which in, Frida's case they're not, she's one of those dogs that's had very very bad teeth, um, that they've been given the right amount and, and right sort of food, they've had their walks, it takes up a lot of time and attention. Yes, And then yes. the rest of the time they just need cuddling. <laughs> exactly, yeah, I know. I mean, what we're seeing is dogs just being resold because the prices mm -hmm. that they were going for, you know, last year was absolutely ridiculous. And then I think a lot of people haven't got the money to spend on dog training or learning. Or vet bills. Vets, well, the vet bills, you know, really have been in the papers a lot in the last couple of weeks, just soaring. Um, and I do think maybe vets might be biting the hands that feed them <laughs> long term. Maybe people can't and the insurance premiums are equally ridiculous. It's a shame because dogs offer us so much, of course. I know. Um, I mean, the PDSA still exists um, for people who really do not have any money. Mm. Uh, thank goodness. Yes, but they've been hit, of course, because all the charities really? and how long can they keep going, really, yeah. as well. It's, it's this thing, isn't it? It's the hound pound. Anthropomorphism isn't new, but the way we're sold so much, from clothes to GPS collars, to all this stuff that people think is sort of mandatory when you have a dog, and they don't actually need that much stuff. No, I, I, do you know, my lot only got coats 
I think it was three years ago, when I have a neighbour who absolutely adores them. And if I'm really busy, if I have to go off somewhere to do some work, she walks them and, and keeps them company. She loves them. Uh, and she said, oh, you know, it's so cold. We had a really freezing period and, and snow. And I've always said, no, look, they're dogs. They've got coats. They don't need to wear a coat. Anyway, she bought the coats and brought them in and insisted on putting them on when the weather was really cold. But most of the time, even in cold weather, I'd just take them out with their own fur on. <laughs> yeah, I know. And that, you know, even for Mexican dogs. Do you think they are originally from Mexico, Jenny? Because you know there's all that train of thought that they're originally from Malta because of some of these great artists like Botticelli and Carpaggio that definitely painted a chihuahua on the Sistine. I, I really have not managed to trace what their actual origin. I mean, obviously there is an area in, area in Mexico called Chihuahua. Yes. Um, I always thought Frida Kahlo, um, the painter, had painted herself with chihuahuas. Wrong, they're not chihuahuas. They're another kind of totally unpronounceable Mexican breed. Um, so who knows? where they originated. And maybe Columbus took them on the boat with him. Possibly. You know, Possibly. Botticelli painted one before he discovered America, you see. It's mm. fascinating. Mm. I really don't know. I yeah. cannot put my finger on it. <laughs> but the, the good thing, I suppose, you know, I know lockdown's brought a lot of tragedy for dogs, really, being shoved from pillar to post, resold online. But government's been good about animals, actually. And, you know, they've launched their new animal welfare action plan. They, isn't it surprising that it's taken so long for a law to be introduced that verifies that animals are sentient. I know. How could anybody <laughs> ever have thought that animals are not sentient? I know, well, that's the emotional intelligence thing, you see, and scientists just refuted it. You know, no, dogs learn, the bell rings, and they'll get a biscuit, but not that they can think laterally. But we know, you know, dogs have diagnosed people's cancer. Um, and, and actually told the owner in their own way, there's something wrong with you, go to the doctor. If that's not emotional intelligence, then, you know. Yeah, it's like Butch knowing exactly where the treats are yes. and actually turning his eyes towards where the treats are. Yeah. That's emotional intelligence. It is, but sentience, I am excited about this, you know, especially because do you think once animals are classified as sentience, Jenny, it might make us think twice about our own behavior at a human level you know particularly because you know animal cruelty cases the sentencing's going to be up to five years it's currently six months so big difference and you know that animal cruelty cases are connected to domestic abuse so might this help on a bigger scale it's difficult to know isn't it i it, you know i i know a lot about domestic violence having covered it for years and years and years and it's something I cannot understand I just don't understand why that kind of violent power is so common it's not something I've ever experienced it's not something I've ever witnessed but I've talked to an awful lot of women who have suffered it and to hurt another sentient being whether it's human or mm. animal 
is something I just cannot get my head around. I just don't understand it, but it exists. If the punishment for kicking a dog or strangling a cat, I mean, there was that guy who strangled a neighbor's cat and put it in a water bucket, but because it had eaten it, uh, it had dug up his vegetables in his vegetable garden. He just think, how could you do that? How could you do it? Well, maybe if he was going to get five years in prison for it, um, which, oh my goodness, if you if you watch Time on television I watched last a night, bit of it last oh, night, actually, I did, yes. You, you would never want to be in prison no. because you can bet Jimmy McGovern has got it absolutely accurate how awful it is, how yes. cruel people are to each other in prison. Um, that might put people off. I, I just don't know. I don't understand the instinct to harm. No, no, I know. I know it's it's terrible, but the cases, you know, with animals, is going up, you know. Um, and so we'll see what happens. I am excited by this. I think it is about time, you know. Bang them up. Bang them up, <laughs> yeah, bang them up. <laughs> so... I don't know if you were um, listening to the, the thread on Good Morning Britain the other the other week, Jenny. You know about uh, there was an environmentalist on Good um, on Good Morning Britain saying that uh, dogs are absolutely awful. They're unsustainable. Anyone who's got a dog at the moment simply mustn't replace them because they're going to kill the planet. We need to rid ourselves of all our pets, which of course has to be balanced with all the good things they do for us. But how are pets? Get, I, I have to say, I never watch television in the morning. I've right. always got radio for. Of course. What was his evidence for suggesting that pets are going to kill the planet? <laughs> well, it's one is eating meat, okay, and then, you know, if we think cows fart a lot and use out carbon dioxide and they use all the grazing land, you know, my argument is, hang on a minute, crops use a lot of land as well and they're mostly GMO and you've got to, it's all about balance. So I spoke to, um, I don't know if you know him actually, Henry Mance from the Financial Times. I don't know him. He's got a good book out at the moment, How to Love Animals in a Human-Shaped World. And it discusses all of this. You know, you know, because a Labrador apparently has the carbon footprint, paw print, of a to Toyota Land Cruiser. Yeah. So if you think there's over 40,000 Labradors in England alone, or in the UK alone, that's a lot of land cruisers. It is, goodness, <laughs> you just surprised me with that. <laughs> it's, it's strange, isn't it, the things that just don't, I mean, obviously I know about cows and cows making farty noises and having an impact on the climate, but dogs and cats never occurred to me. I know, and I, I I think it's ridiculous. I think their companionship and everything they do for us overrides demonising them like this. And I think there's a lot more we can do. I have to say, I've never owned a Labrador. I did have one years and years and years and years ago. Beautiful dog. Uh, but I've never known any creature eat as much as that <laughs> dog did. And it was so tall when it grew up. You couldn't leave anything out anywhere. He would. He, he also talk about emotional intelligence. If you left him alone, and there was a box of tissues on the surface in the kitchen, he would jump up, pull the box down, and take out tissues one by one, and leave them scattered all over 
the house. <laughs> nothing said more clearly, don't you dare leave me on my own here. You know? <laughs> Maybe so. he'd been watching the toilet roll advert. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he'd be very good at that sort yeah. of thing. Um, but no, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of big, big dogs. I like my dogs to be small, but I had no idea that Labradors had such an impact on the climate. <laughs> I know, it's ridiculous, oh. isn't it? Yeah, I know. And, and you know, then to postulate whether dogs should become vegan which uh, is when I kind of start to have a bit of a head spin and smoke comes out of my ears, Jenny, you know, because they're obviously a meat-eating species. Yes, so am I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love there's, that. There's no way I would become either... My son's girlfriend, well, partner now, um, is completely vegetarian, but uh, she's from an Indian family and was raised vegetarian. You know, she's never mm. ever eaten meat in her life, so it just doesn't occur to her to have meat as part of her diet. And her curries are wonderful, but the thought of becoming someone who never has a bacon sandwich or never has a steak on, on the barbecue fills me with doom and despond. I couldn't bear it, and Butch certainly wouldn't have it. No. <laughs> Vegetarian food? You must be joking. He's a meat eater, aren't you, he Butch? definitely a meat eater. Absolutely. They all are, actually. The little ones don't eat very much, but he has an enormous appetite. He's so much bigger than the other two. She eats very little. And look how skinny she is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's quite, she's quite a model, isn't she, really? She is. But that's what you'd call a teacup chihuahua, isn't it, really, Jenny? I suppose that's what they call her. Yeah. yeah. I didn't realise she was going to be so small. I mean, I just saw a picture of her and thought, oh, she's so cute. And then she just didn't grow. <laughs> but, you know, they're always in your heart, aren't they, you know, Jenny? I mean, let's hope... Butch has a good few years. I shall do my best to ensure that Butch has a good few years because I would miss him. I mean, I miss them all, but him, he's... He was with you through that yeah. key time. Sorry, Madge, he's my number one dog. <laughs> I love you, but he's the best. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Jenny, thank you so much for this. And where can people listen to your podcast? Oh, um, it's on all the usual places. I think Apple and I, I don't know, I'm a technical washout, you know. Um, but the people who've produced it, I know, have put it into the places where people get their podcasts. So what Brilliant. more can I say? Well, I've subscribed. Good. <laughs> You're not thinking of becoming a teacher? No. Well, I teach people with their dogs, I suppose. It's not sort of, a, you know, so I do help people train their dogs quite a lot Jenny and offer nutritional advice and what have you and I like doing that I like helping people yeah it's a good thing to do isn't it yeah I, I I'm not sure I could oh, I would have to teach <laughs> French or English because uh, those are my subjects and and drama and I'm not sure I could remember all the stuff I would need to know to teach it to 30 teenagers, that would be far too frightening, I think. Yes, 30 teenagers, that would scare me. That would be really scary. <laughs> the people who've done it absolutely love it, they really do. And we are all going to live longer lives than we've ever lived before. We have to think of something to do when we pass what used to be thought of as retirement age. Yes, well, here, here, and let's keep the dogs. 
keep the dogs and keep the dogs going as long as we possibly can. Well, that's our show, Mr. Binks. What did you think? Yes, you did have fun running around with other dogs your size. And yes, it is time for Woof of the Week. So we know how dogs bring us companionship, joy, loyalty, a gateway to the outdoors. But they're also there for us at our darkest hour. And I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, why not rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcasts? It really helps other dog lovers find us. Thanks also hugely to Jenny Murray and links to her podcast are all in our show notes. Thanks also to Mike Hansen, my patient producer. You can find out more about him at Pod People UK. And for me, I'm at Anna Webb Dogs. If you fancy a snoop around my website, it's annaweb.co.uk. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, we will be back in your feed next Sunday. So why don't you subscribe now so you'll never miss another show? Bye for now.